Hey, everybody. So I think that it's important that uh, we kind of let you know what's going on. We're not doing a jam deep dive tonight. Uh, we're we're going to do a bonus episode. And uh, I, I think Joseph would say, well, we're big fat liars and that's why. But <laughs> <laughs> Well, OK, so, hey, everybody. Um. I, I know you spent the last two weeks getting all geared up to hear a lot of great music by the jam. It ain't going to happen this week. Yeah. And um, basically what it came down to was about two or three days ago, Rob and I touched base and realized that we were just not properly prepared yet. I mean, yeah. we, we could have recorded the episode today, but... Um, Neither of us were, felt as on top of it as we normally are. And I think that, you know, sometimes in the past, one of us has been kind of behind or the other. Mm -hmm. But, you know, it, it was always a band where at least one of us was intimately familiar with the catalog, like Rob with... Iggy Pop yeah. or me yeah. with the Stranglers, but this is uh, the jam is I think the first band that we've done a deep dive on where neither of us were had a comprehensive knowledge of their catalog before we started. Well, not, um, not only not only that, but I've I've learned that I'm really liking the jam. And yeah. I, I really want to focus on this band. I don't want to do it half-assed, you know? Yeah, yeah. And so we we had a choice of, of doing a subpar episode and releasing it. Now <laughs> we're both really loving the, the, their music and we, we want to put out an episode that – that does them justice, that yeah, pays respect to um, to the quality of their music. So this is a bonus episode, or the alternate title of this episode is uh, Joseph and Rob are Big Fat Liars, because <laughs> two, two weeks ago we said we'd be doing the jam, and we are not doing the jam. Um, yeah. So the jam deep dive episode will be next Sunday. Promise. The follow <laughs> the, the following Sunday, we'll get into December of 1978, and then two weeks after that, we'll do one last deep dive, and then we'll get into the kind of home stretch of season two. So we are – so, Rob, we have got almost through two seasons before yeah. we had to do this, before we had to push an episode back because we just weren't quite on top of it. Wow. We For season two, we are going to – cross the finish line but we are uh, we are going to do it limping <laughs> <laughs> or waddling so, as it may be it's yeah. it's going to be yeah <laughs> i want to remind everybody that um we are talking about music music is art there is nothing more subjective than art uh this is an opinion show we will be giving our opinions but we try to be mindful not to get too opinionated because ultimately we're here to celebrate this extraordinary music that was done at a pretty unique uh period in history rob this is maybe our fourth is it our third or fourth bonus track episode? And we're still figuring out the format and what uh -huh. it's about. Um, and we're trying something different this time. What is, <laughs> what is going to, 
what is the X factor, the wow factor that's going to make this bonus track episode stand out from the ones before it? We've reached out and grabbed uh, one of one of your pals, Joseph, and have brought him into the podcast today to talk about one of the or well, our last uh, our last episode. I think that's going to be fun. Yeah, so this is our first guest for a for a bonus track episode. We get to welcome Mike Rosen. He um, has a podcast of his own because everybody has a podcast oh, nowadays yeah. Um, yeah. and is a longtime buddy of mine and fellow board gamer, regular nice. Nice. regular participant of board game night. So, um Rob, I want to introduce you to my friend Mike. Mike, this is my friend Rob. Hey. <laughs> thanks, hey, for coming, hey Rob. thanks for coming on, Mike. Hi. <laughs> yeah, thanks for having me on. I, uh, I I can't believe that you guys lied to everyone about the jam. <laughs> and now you've brought me on to be party to this deceit, apparently. Just so that all our listeners know, it, Mike put us up to it. Um. <laughs> <laughs> so, Mike, you and I, we've known each other for... A long time. We used to work together at the magazine, and um, and let's see. You have a podcast. It is not about music. Um, what is what is the name of your podcast? So uh, my podcast is a special presentation, or Alf will not be seen tonight. It has nothing to do with music, usually at least. It is entirely about newspaper comic strips that get adapted to other media. So television specials, TV series, radio shows, and uh, theatrical movies, too, I suppose. Yeah. You and I, uh, we, we have spent many, many hours talking about many, many things. We very rarely talk about music. Your podcast is not about music. You haven't written any books or done any theses or taught any classes about music. So really, um, is it fair to say that, say that your only qualification for being on this podcast is that, you're, that you happen to know me? Absolutely fair. Um, I think if you um, if you're familiar with the internet memes, uh, I'm pretty much the uh, the the uh, YouTube video guy who likes music. Where it's like, is this animal sounds? Instruments far out. <laughs> well, here's the here's the two things that I know about you when it comes to music. You love Stan Ridgeway and Walla Voodoo. Yes. And you hate Rush. Yes. Boy, do you hate Rush. <laughs> I don't like... Okay, Stan Ridgway is an American treasure, an American troubadour, if you were, who yeah. uh, I just like the way that he perfectly um, kind of syncs this this very Americana style. It's um, of the, the dream and also uh, disappointment of the West, uh, which is, you know, kind of where the ultimate... Uh, expression of the American dream comes to fruition in in California uh, of all places, and he kind of all his songs seem very much about like just the the gritty underside of that. Um, but also he's got like a terrible voice, uh, so I really respect the fact that he tries <laughs> yeah. to sing, even though he sounds like I mean like I don't know like like Tom Waits style, uh, just just kind of uh, or Bob Dylan, just the kind of. Uh, kind of thing, um, but I respect that. Yeah. As opposed to Rush, I think they have a bad attitude. I don't like them trying to sing up there, sing about what I don't know, like uh, um, about Tom Tom Sawyer and shit. Yeah, not down with that. So, of course, uh, Stan Ridgeway uh, 
may not have the greatest voice, but um, he started out in a band called Wall of Voodoo, and fortunately that style was... Um, it, it was not a prerequisite that you have a beautiful voice. Um, <laughs> yes. So I think that we should, of course, we are covering 1978 and, and um, uh, Wall of Voodoo hasn't released any LPs yet. So we haven't actually heard any Wall of Voodoo. And I think most people, if they're familiar with Wall of Voodoo at all, it's because of the song Mexican Radio. Um, so I think that we should listen to um, a Wall of Voodoo song just to get everybody in the mood and to celebrate the fact that Mike is here. So what, uh, what Wall of Voodoo song do you want to hear, Mike? So uh, I think we're going to be listening to uh, a song that ironically kind of encapsulates all those ideas that I was talking about in the uh, that, that characterized the Wall of Voodoo discography. And that song is Call of the West. Yeah, so this is the title track of their second full-length um, LP. Right, Joseph, about one thing. If you're familiar with Walla Voodoo, you're familiar with Mexican radio. That is yeah. the one song that I could probably pick out and say that I have mm -hmm. heard from Walla Voodoo. But listening to this song, All of the West, I, I totally recognize it. Like it's it's in my you know, it's in my mind. Um, yeah. and I and I love it. I think it's a great yeah. tune. Yeah. There's definitely it's definitely yeah, it's got a lot of um Ennio Marconi by way of synth, synth pop in this, which you're, you're right um, about that. It, it it does feel like a like a spaghetti western with synth, synthesizers. So so Mike, is it fair to say that um, Walla Voodoo is your is your favorite late seventies, early eighties like punk new wave band? Um, yeah, I would say Walla Voodoo is is definitely my favorite. Um, yeah. I think when it comes to this time period, I tend to um, uh, I, I, I tend to edge more towards the the synth pop, metal disco uh, style of uh, mm -hmm. new wave rather mm -hmm. than the the punk. So punk what end. are what are what are some other favorites? Um, let's see. I'd say um, uh, Devo, if that. Oh counts. yeah, nice. of course. Um, Alphaville is a big one for me. Oh cool. Um, the Buggles. Yeah, and yeah. Um, uh, Chromium, which I don't know um, how well known that is. That's basically an early project by Trevor Horn and 
uh, and uh, Jeff Downs. So it's basically the Buggles, but with a different name. Oh, I see. Uh-huh. That was when they were just starting out. So it's very, it's very disco prog rock almost. Mm-hmm. Um, it's very odd because I guess they were like, look, we're just going to sing about UFOs. And, um, <laughs> and then they were like, then they became the Buggles. And like, okay, we're basically doing the same thing, except um, now we're going to do it. Instead of about UFOs, we're just going to sing nonsense versus about uh, video technology, I guess. So, Mike, you have uh, listened to our most recent episode, the November 1978 episode, and um, so it, we're going we're gonna to spend some time just kind of talking a little bit about those bands and those albums, just kind of a nice little recap. Um, now... I don't. I know that you're younger than me. I don't know how old you are. I'm not asking you to to uh, give me your age. But were you in 1978? I'm not even sure if you were alive yet. But <laughs> but if you were, you were too young to actually be listening to this type of music. Is that yeah, correct? I, I had not quite come on the scene yet. Aha, I was okay. about to make was about to make my big debut. Uh, just actually <laughs> let's see. Um, yeah, about about a year later. So <laughs> Okay. All right. So um, now how many of these bands um, that released albums in nineteen seventy eight were you familiar with? All right, so I know of I've know of the police. I've heard I've heard people talk about them. They've been mentioned. They're kind of a thing. Oh, wow. Yeah, they, they are kind of a thing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't think they're they're um yeah they're they're everywhere. I think uh, you you mentioned the last episode. They're a little overplayed, and they continue to be overplayed. Uh, so, yeah. Um, yeah, but yeah, yeah. I've I've uh, heard of them. Um, uh, the Clash. Um, uh, Sous-Suis and the Banshees, of course, though I not enough to ever get their name right, apparently. And uh, Kate Bush, I am actually uh, a, a little bit of a Kate Bush fan. Mm-hmm. And uh, Midnight Oil, I actually, um, I, I wouldn't say I'm a huge Midnight Oil fan. Um, I was because years ago I found a mi- Diesel and Dust, uh, that, that uh, a cassette tape found it in a parking lot. And I was like, oh, what's this? And I was listening to it. I was like, oh, this, this, this rocks. This is a really good band. Uh, I'm surprised no one's ever heard of this band. <laughs> I'm the only person. They belong to me myself. I'm the only person who's ever heard of Midnight Oil. Um, so I had, I think I had probably heard Beds Are Burning and had no clue who it was by. Uh, when I actually did hear Diesel and Dust, I was like, oh, I really like, this song is, really deals with a lot of Native American issues. I'm re- really interesting because uh, I didn't realize that they were Australian and were actually... Uh, singing about issues <laughs> facing Aboriginal Australians, okay. uh, many of which do do are very similar to the fa- issues facing Native Americans, though. So yeah. I was like, oh, this band really, they're they're really, uh, I really like how they're woke, you know. But uh, <laughs> um, uh, okay, well, first of all, back then, woke was not a word. No. <laughs> <laughs> did did you coin that phrase? I came up with it. I, now everybody uses it. Um, <laughs> hey, so to to refresh everybody's memory, um, uh, we listen to albums, um, or rather songs, off of albums released in November of 1978 from The Jam, Kate Bush, Two Boy Army, Midnight Oil, 
Per Ubu, Susie and the Banshees, The Clash, The Police, Sham 69, and X-Ray Specs. And uh, still, I'm a little gobsmacked at what an astonishing month it was for yeah. Punk and New Wave. Um, That's good. So, so, Mike, was there anything um, new that you heard that, that you particularly uh, liked? Uh, um, yeah, actually, there was one song that I really liked that really stood out to me. Um, and I know I, I this is basically me admitting when I said earlier that I was kind of a Kate Bush fan, that that's kind of bullshit. Um, I like her, you know, but I'm kind of one of those. like, Yeah, I like that song where she sings about like killing people with music. That's good. <laughs> you know, um, like, you know, I don't know the names of them, but yeah. uh, uh, Hammer Horror was a real bop. I really like yeah. that one. Yeah. Um, it was really good. Good tune. Good choice. <laughs> yeah. That one, like, listen to it. It's like, it feels like you could just, like, literally plop it into the Rocky Horror Picture Show and it would just work, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. Which is really shows how well it gets the theme of Hammer Horror, I think. Rob, yeah. any new insights about um, the November 78? Well, uh, let me tell you, let me tell you this. This is funny. So, you know, you send out the link of the new playlist after we get it all put together. Um, and I'm I'm like, oh, yeah, I got to catch up on the playlist so I know what we're talking about tonight. And I, I click on the link and I'm listening to it and I'm like, oh, this is the same playlist that we wait a minute. I clicked on the wrong link, but I did not stop listening. I just kept playing the playlist because it's such a great playlist. Yeah. <laughs> um, I can tell you that I'm not a fan of Midnight Oil. Uh, and that's just based on on that one album, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, I I like, um, you know, I like uh, the jams, all mod cons a lot. I like Lionheart still a lot. Um, I even enjoyed Gary Newman, which uh, I don't know if I mentioned it last time, but I don't know that I could have plucked a, the title of a Gary Newman song out and said, oh yeah, this is a song I know. I. I don't know that I could have done that. I knew Gary Newman. I knew that he was big. And of course I've heard his music. Yeah. But, but two boy army was great. Yeah. Yeah. It's a great album. So I don't know. It's just, it was a great, it was a great playlist. And again, I'm a huge X-ray specs fan. So I'm, I'm always gravitating towards uh, polystyrene and, and what she and the gang have going. Yeah, so um, uh, uh, Susie and the Banshees, we, we gave um, that album a fair amount of praise, but mm-hmm. kind of got a little bit of a short shrift because we both kind of zeroed in on the exact same song yeah. and we didn't have time to play, um, you know, two songs from, from every album. So uh, I think we it is time to remedy that. So yeah. this is a perfect opportunity to feature another song off of Susie and the Banshee's debut album called The Scream. And you, of course, being the resident Susie and the Banshee's fanatic, I'm mm-hmm. going to defer to you as far as the title we should listen to. Well, great. Um, I always feel like any Susie and the Banshee's song is a good choice. Um, but, you know, the... I think I chose probably my favorite song last time. So this is going to be my second favorite song. And I just, I think we should listen to Mirage. Mirage. <laughs> 
I've mentioned a couple of times that uh, although, you know, my my knowledge of Susan the Banshee's catalog is incomplete, what I do know of her albums, um, Juju is by far my favorite. And this is another song that would f- would have fit right in on Juju. It's got yeah. that that sort of Juju feel to it. Um, you know, dark and kind of um, proto-goth, but not terribly dreary. Yeah. So well, I, um, I, I chose this song because it's got a little bit of a different energy than um, the last song I picked. And and I don't know. It you're right about that though. It, it would totally go on Juju. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, this is um uh so I'm not hugely familiar with uh Susu and the Banshees. Is, am I saying the name right? No. Susie. Susie. <laughs> is it it's just Susie? Uh, yeah. this whole time I look like a fool. Um We were gonna let you I've, do it there there too. Yeah, you just you you fell into her evil trap, Mike. <laughs> Damn it, and I'm sure uh, before this, everyone listening was like, that guy's really smart. He really knows his stuff. <laughs> but then I made that classic blunder. Yeah. Um, so, so I mean, I'm, I, am, I'm, I know the band and I've heard their stuff. Um, again, I'm going to do that thing where I'm like, I really, I, my, I really like that one song about like, you know, a kid being eaten by a goblin. You know, <laughs> that, that song rules. Um, on, uh, uh, I think it's on Peep Show. Um, but... Um, the uh, um, but this song uh, uh, I really like this one. It's it's very full and lush. It's it's like you said, got this very proto goth feel to it. It's kind of a kind of a dark decadent sound to it. Um, I'm not sure what the the song is actually about. Um, I tried looking up the lyrics and I'm still not entirely <laughs> sure. Yeah, <laughs> it it seems like it's kind of about like oh um you know the the fakeness of image and you know, the female body being consumed as, as an image by the male gaze or something. So a lot of listeners showed up today expecting to hear some jam and um, we should at least accommodate them one song. I think uh, yeah, it's like absolutely. the very least, literally <laughs> the very least that we could do. I thought it would be fun to listen to one of my favorite jam songs um, off of the album Sound Effects, a song called Start. Gentlemen, uh, either of you familiar with this, with this song? Uh, not before today. Yeah, mm-hmm. no. I I don't know why this isn't like a post-punk, like absolute classic. I mean, this is to me, this is just about as good as it gets. Um, I I don't know why we don't hear, at least here in the United States. First of all, have have either of you 
ever heard a song by the jam on like commercial radio here in the United States? I have not. not I, no. Yeah, not that no. I know of. No, they 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 just they've never stuck. They just weren't sticky here in the U.S. Um, I don't know why Start isn't played on classic rock radio right alongside like Should I Stay or Should I Go and right. uh, Roxanne. Right. Um, I've I've always loved this song. Um, in fact, with as much as the police has played, you could probably just take off Roxanne and put Start. On. <laughs> <laughs> hey, that's a, that sounds good to me. <laughs> So, so just a little taste of what's coming next week with the jam, um, and uh, it's gonna happen at some it's, point. It's gonna happen. It's a, it's a good song. It's got a it's got a real funk beat to it. Yeah, you know, this is like right. um, strut music, music yeah. for strutting. Yeah, That's right. yeah. You 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 do a lot of strutting, Mike. You know, I've been known to strut in my time. <laughs> Usually when four o'clock rolls around, you know, Kick, kicks out the. Wall of voodoo and stress, you know, <laughs> just walking around like the uh, the the Robert Crumb uh, dude, you know, oh, yeah. Mr. Natural. That's right. That's right. <laughs> so after the um, jam deep dive, we're going to take a look at December of 1978, the very last month, and. Um, just want to warn everybody ahead of time. This is going to be a pretty ragtag affair. So I think there's only um, three LPs that I identified that were for sure released in December of 1978 that fall within the parameters of the show. Um, but there are a number of other albums where I j we couldn't, we knew it was released in 78, but we couldn't figure out what month. So it's right. kind of all getting piled in here. And um, as we've been going along, we've been getting uh, a lot of uh, really great free feedback from um, our audience. And every once in a while, we'll get a, hey, what about this band? Or, hey, what about that band? Yeah. And so I go, oh. Okay, well, I'll stick them in December of 1978. And <laughs> so now I'm turning around and it's actually going to be pretty full. There's going to be a fair amount of albums that we're talking about, but it's it's um, it's going to be a real mixed bag of stuff. Um, so that'll be interesting, um, but um, not... D not gonna stand up to to November of '78 for sure. Yeah, this was probably the top month. Of the, I mean, it's the top month of the year, you know. Yep, yep. Um, and in that episode, as promised in last episode, um, there will be a mini dive on the X-ray specs. Yes. Uh, so e even though there are a number of of albums crammed in there, we'll still set aside a good amount of time to uh, really dive more into to the x-ray spec stuff uh, so I think that's um, that is 
a pretty darn good reason to feature another X-Ray Specs song. Not that we ever need a real reason no, to, no. to do that, but um, any opportunity I get. Uh, so last episode, you mentioned the song, The Day the World Turned Day Glow. So, uh, and that's one that I wasn't familiar with other than when I listened to um, the album in prepare, preparation for the show. So I thought we'd listen to that. I mean, I'm really glad now that you've heard it because I'm pretty sure you you, you love this tune. Am I right about that? Um, you know what? I love it as much as I love pretty much all of the songs off uh-huh. off of this album. My understanding, um, you know, after you mentioned it, and I well, I I did a little bit of research, and I think that this was this is kind of one of their more famous songs. It is, and yeah. I don't. I don't know that it stands out for me more than any of the other songs, mm-hmm. but that is that is high praise for the entire album yeah. because it's yep. all stellar. So I really do like this song, but it wouldn't I wouldn't have, you know, zeroed in on it as being like a highlight, high point of the album. True true that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, what about you, Mike? Ever heard of the X-Ray Specs? Ever heard uh, of a song called Oh Bondage Up Yours? I have not. <laughs> I have not heard of that song or the band X-Ray Specs. Mike, this you was haven't my, lived. <laughs> this was my first experience <laughs> with them. Nice. And um, I actually, I got to say, this was a, pr- I, I enjoy this song a lot. It's a song that you kind of want to, you want to kind of uh, headbang along to. It's got... Uh, huge energy. It's almost got like, I don't know, a mid nineties ska revival sound in points, yeah. uh, which is, you know, but it's very, just this freewheeling, um, anything goes uh, vibe. Uh, I love the ostentatious horns in this. Yeah. Yeah. The, yeah. Um, <laughs> the, the way it just starts going ham with this sax solo toward, towards the end, just, just, uh, just a real banger. So I yeah. really enjoyed this. I think we've kind of covered what's coming up. Um, as far as the episodes go. And then, of course, once we get into uh, November, it's just going to be all preparation for the best of 1978 um, list and and all of that. So if you don't mind, let's shift our focus to just sort of some odds and ends, like little things that have popped up recently that I thought might be fun to spend a couple of minutes talking about. Does that sound good to you guys? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, um, Elvis Costello, um, I heard an interview with him on NPR a couple of days ago talking about a new album called Spanish Model. Have either of you heard about this? No. No. Pretty cool. So, basically what they did was they took the um, master tracks from um, uh, this year's model 
and took out Elvis Costello's vocals and put in Spanish vocalists singing the songs. So so the music is the original music with the attractions. Some of the stuff is mixed a little bit differently and I think some of it is is maybe you know, they maybe extended parts so that they could have various other vocals going on. But all of the music is from um, the attractions, uh, the original recordings, as far as I can tell. So, so, um, it's not con- so it's not considered a cover album because they're still playing the music. Yeah, that's right. It's just, it's all in Spanish. And um, so in this interview, Elvis Costello and says very... Um, Controversially, I'm sure that he's uh, there are going to be a ton of people who disagree with this this statement. So I want to make it clear: I am quoting Elvis Costello. I don't necessarily agree with it, but according to Elvis Costello, Spanish is the only other language other than English that rock and roll sounds good in. Ooh, yeah, uh, ooh, yeah, bold words. Yeah, bold them's, words. them's fighting words. Uh, um, obviously, obviously, he's never been to Germany. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I don't know that I necessarily agree with that, but I will say that um, on a lot of these songs, uh, Spanish sounds pretty fantastic, and I wanted to feature uh, probably my favorite. A song off of this album, uh, not not my necessarily my favorite off of the original album, but my favorite verse Spanish version. Um, and I'm going to butcher this, uh, but uh, it's something close to "Yo no quiero ir a Chelsea," uh, which of course is um, "I don't want to go to Chelsea." So okay. let's take a listen to this. Um, and I, I just want to say that of all of the tracks off of this album, if there's going to be somebody else singing Elvis Costello's parts, I much prefer it to be female than male because all of the male stuff, I just... I can't help but compare it to Elvis Costello's performance and it all pales, but the female stuff comes from a completely different energy. So it's kind of apples and oranges. Um, so really my, my very favorite cuts off this album are the female vocalist ones, um, including this one.
Yeah, this is um, this this song. It's it's very different from everything we've listened to so far. Um, but there's definitely is I don't it know because it's, it's in Spanish? Well, you know there is there is that, and you know I mean I don't know about this thing about the only other language that rock and roll sounds good in, but um, it definitely it does add to it because as as an English speaker you can kind of just concentrate on the the uh, the sound yeah. you know not. Uh, and and without trying to parse lyrics, or uh, um, so I, I have no clue what the song's about. But the the sound is a very um, it's almost got kind of like you said. There, there's a there's kind of a sultry feel to it. It's kind of a little sweltery, humid almost. Um, maybe that's you know power of suggestion with uh, you know because. Um, it just sounds a little like almost like Hotel California parts. Almost. Hot Latin, Latin uh, tune. <laughs> <laughs> well, you lost me at at Hotel California. I, I don't know. <laughs> I am I am tone deaf, so that may be part of it. <laughs> but uh, it's definitely got um, it's got an interesting um, it's it's an interesting mix that uh, doesn't feel like it should work, but does. Well, you know what I. I think probably like the worst job in the world is the person who had to translate Elvis Costello's lyrics into Spanish and make it work rhythmically <laughs> with the matching up the syllables and everything. I mean, how do you do that? <laughs> that sounds insane to me. Sure. So how, how are you feeling about this, Rob? Man, I, I really dig it. Uh, you mentioned the energy in the center of the song, in the middle of the song. It's it's cool because it, I don't know, it just, it thumps. There's like this beat that's just really great. The vocals are are super energetic. Uh, for some reason, I'm, I'm like kind of going back to No Doubt. Um, but uh, it's, I don't know, it's just a cool song. And it, it, it kind of made me think about the fact that even... Um, you know, we, I don't know if I mentioned it last time, but Sting came out with an album called Nada Como El Sol, which... Oh, yeah, uh, you mentioned that last, yeah, he, last episode. He recorded yeah. the entire album in Spanish and Portuguese, and it's nothing but the sun, which I don't really care for. But when you put it in Spanish and Portuguese, it, it's such a great album. <laughs> well, I don't know. I hear, that, I hear the rock and roll doesn't work very well in Portuguese. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> um... Okay, so let's move on to Rob. Did you notice we got a um, a very nice review for yeah. our podcast um, uh, from Australia? I did. And yeah. Um, yeah, so that was that was very uh, I, that was a nice, pleasant surprise. Um, always, always happy to hear that we've got listeners in Australia. Um, and this, I, I. Off the top of my head, I can't remember the name, his his name, but he recommended um, that we look into a band called Radio Birdman. Um, had oh, either okay. of you ever heard of Radio Birdman? No. I haven't even heard of the regular Birdman. <laughs> <laughs> so um, they were apparently, well, they, not apparently, they were um, an early Australian punk band. I haven't listened to them yet. Um and they're fr they, I think they only released two albums. Their first album was released in 77 in Australia, but in 78 internationally. So that's our loophole to like 
Stick it in the December episode. <laughs> so the, Perfect. So we're gonna yeah. <laughs> we're gonna hear some Radio Birdman in um, the December of 1978 episode. Uh, getting it in under the wire. Had never heard of this band before. Haven't had a chance to check it out yet, but I'm excited to. Apparently, it was a pretty influential um, early Australian punk band. So. Um, thank you for um, bringing that to our attention. Looking forward to it. Rob, several episodes ago, we talked about the upcoming Stranglers album. We featured a song called um, If You Should See Dave. Well, that album is now out. Right. So I, I have um, only listened to the album once. And uh, so don't hold me to this. But because, you know, sometimes when you hear something for the first time, it just really depends on the mood you're in. But this sounds like a pretty damn good album. Um, now, now what, what's the title of the album? Um, the album is called Dark Matters um, oh. for uh, 11 new songs. And yeah. um, I suspect that it might end up being my favorite Stranglers album after Hugh Cornwell left the band. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, for yeah. sure. Wow. That's yeah. something. Yeah. So uh, I thought um, you guys would like to, to get a little taste of what's going on. Um, most of the album is very different. Um, from the song that we featured before, the the first single, If You Should See Dave. And I got to say, I'm digging most of the other stuff off of the album more so than that first single. Yeah. Um, okay. So here is a song called No Man's Land. And um, I think it kind of cooks. Hmm. Welcome album is going to be hot and I, you know I, i'm not the biggest stranglers fan i mean i like their music i really enjoyed a lot of their stuff but um this sounds really good it 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 just pounds at the beginning you know it's got this this crazy bass beat it's ah i don't know i don't know what to say about it except i, I want to hear the whole album yeah well my my first impression is that the um the kind of slower, prettier, um, more sincere stuff is not engaging with me, right. and it's the the but but that's sort of a, a th two or three or four songs off of the album, and then the rest of it is more in the vein of the song that we just heard, um, "No Man's Land," um, and that stuff I'm really liking. I mean, they they're 
they don't sound like they're sleepwalking through the album. You know, no, they've got no. a vitality to them that I was not expecting. Uh, what did you? What yeah. do? What do you think about this song, Mike? Um, so I'm I'm kind of, I'm with Rob on this one. I'm not like uh, the the biggest Stranglers fan, though I've I've enjoyed I enjoy their stuff when I hear it. This one, it's it's there's a there's a there's a heat and a noise to it. It's um, it seems very um, it, it just kind of there's a pounding that kind of gets in your head. It's mm-hmm. very it, it feels like an exper- a very discordant and experimental, but um, just a very arresting. Um, I don't know. Like I'm always, I'm always like uh, basically doing a thing where I'm like, I'm gonna make some some very bad comparisons that make no sense. <laughs> but I mean, just this, don't, this, just don't, just don't compare them to Susu and the Banshees. No, no, um, no. This one was actually <laughs> making me think of some of the, um, uh, like some of the later Kevin Gilbert or even something out of uh, the Shockheaded Peter um, album uh-huh. or um, opera. Um, just something. Uh, j- just, just still. Yeah, um, but no. This is this one seems good. I think uh, I think there's something a lot there. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, and and what I like about this song and a lot of songs is that it it has a. I was really surprised at the 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 um, adept mix of there was enough of the old classics classic stranglers sound to the music i'm not talking about the vocals i'm talking about the music um there there was enough of that but yet it still sounds pretty contemporary i mean in this song i'm hearing um like some some muse maybe Mm -hmm. Um, Uh, yeah muse yeah i mean muses there's they're not terribly contemporary they're more of a in like aughts early teens um thing but uh you know that is contemporary when you're talking about a band like the stranglers because <laughs> <laughs> they've been around forever <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah so this was um a real pleasant surprise um and like i said i suspect it's going to end up being my my favorite Stranglers Mach 2 album. Um, nice. So so hooray for the Stranglers. I, I, I wonder if it's possible at some point that we can, during maybe a bonus episode, go back and just, you know, review this album. I mean, because I think it would be fun to, like, talk about it a little bit more at length after we've heard it, you know, after, after we both have listened to the album at length. Um, hey, Rob... In bonus episodes, we can do whatever the hell we want. <laughs> That's a good point. Yeah. <laughs> Case you in just, point. <laughs> you just say the word and we'll do it. Because you got it, man. Yeah. Why not? Yeah. Hey, so Rob, let's talk about my my goofs because I uh, <laughs> I goof up from time to time. My tongue, um, my brain is is going left and my tongue goes right. Those are, um, by the way, the best goofs ever. <laughs> really. <laughs> so this one, this this is one that was brought to um, our attention by um, a listener. I did not catch it, so you know, I I sat and I listened to the episode several times as I was editing it. You didn't catch it, um, yeah. and it is such such a silly mistake. So back when we were talking, I can't even remember how it came up, but um, I mentioned. 
um, Marvin Gaye for some reason. And I said that I really liked the music that he did with Tammy Wynette. <laughs> oh, Okay. Yeah. So, Tammy Wynette, I couldn't name a T Tammy Wynette song if my life depended on it. I'm sure I've heard a Tammy Wynette song because, you know, I lived in Fort Bragg for, for 10 years. But um, <laughs> yeah. I've, n I've never, Tammy Wynette, for anyone who doesn't know, is a pretty famous country singer. I think she yeah. was kind of big Classic. in the... 80s and 90s, right? I, I have no idea. 70s and 80s. Okay, all right. Of course, I meant Tammy Terrell. Yeah. <laughs> right. I do. So, I do remember. I do remember why that came up. Um, yeah. Because we were talking about Elvis Costello. Uh, wait, was it Elvis Costello? Yeah, I think so. Oh, um, okay. But, but uh, Tammy, yeah. Wow, Tammy Terrell <laughs> versus Tammy Wynette. Now, Marvin Gaye and Tammy Wynette, that's a pairing that, uh, <laughs> now, that might I, make... <laughs> it might make may, it. Maybe they did a duet together, but <laughs> if they did, I wasn't familiar with it. That was not what I was referring to. Um, right. And uh, of, of all the goose I've done, that's the one that sort of like makes me giggle the most because yeah. it's, it's pretty silly. Well, thanks to whoever called us on it because, uh, yeah, we, you know, we need straightening out every once in a while. Yeah, yeah. Mike, you a big Tammy Wynette fan? I can't say that I am. <laughs> <laughs> the movie Annette, which of which we've we've uh, talked about a couple of times in anticipation of it coming out. This, of course, yeah. is the musical where the music and the script was written by Sparks, and it features Adam Driver. It is now on Amazon Prime. Have either of you had a chance to check it out? No, I want to, but I have not. I've, I've seen the trailer and I've read the synopsis. <laughs> yeah, so um, it is probably pretty good, but I think that you have to be in exactly the right mood for it because it is very, like, weird, theatrical, like... Sparks-like. Well, it, 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 I mean, it starts out where the cast is talking about how the show is going to start. It's one of those type oh. things. Um, and I'll tell you, I have made three runs at, at this, and I haven't gotten very far. Um, but to be fair, it's always been at the end of a long day, you know, I get home from work, I get my belly full of food, I lie down and I start watching it. And I, I just, it's too much. It, it's like just too much theatrical weirdness for me. Mm, yeah. Uh, so, but it seems like if you're in the right mood, it would probably be quite enjoyable. I think it's probably like a wake up on a Saturday morning and right. watch it first thing when you're yeah. – after you've drunk some coffee. Actually, <laughs> better, better yet, in my house, it would probably be, you know, it's your day off, you're in your shorts, you put on a stupid jester's hat, you grab a bowl <laughs> of chips and salsa, and, uh, you know <laughs> – and then you watch the Sparks movie. <laughs> well, maybe that's my problem. No jester hat. I think so. <laughs> we, need to, we need to rectify that situation. <laughs> you, you need to be yield fool before this movie will make sense yeah. to you. So. 
Yeah. Well, it is available on Amazon Prime, and it is an Amazon Prime original, so I assume that it will be on Amazon Prime forever, so you can check it out at any time. Um, so, as I mentioned, the movie starts out with the the cast getting together and discussing about whether or not they're going to start the, the movie or start the show, and of course, that's a number. It's called um, So May We Start. Um, drags on a little bit long, so like towards the end of it, I was going, um, apparently not. <laughs> but um, it's, a, it's, a, it's a kind of a, a fun, very Sparks type song. And uh, I thought we should listen to a little bit of it um, to get kind of a flavor of what's going on in Annette. Sounds good. So may we start. So may we start. It's time to start. My time to start. They hope that it goes the way it's supposed to go. There's fear in them all, but they can't let it show. They're underprepared, but that may be enough. The budget is large, but still, it's not enough. So may we start. I think we should start every episode of this podcast with so shall we start <laughs> um it's it sounds like sparks i have to say and, yeah and yeah i'm really looking forward to seeing the movie yeah so mike are you familiar with sparks sparks sounds like from what you've told me this sounds like a band that's right up your alley i am uh i am familiar with sparks and i generally like them uh, things like Angst in My Pants, Tips for Teens, The Existential Dread, or The Existential Threat, I think it is. Um, there, there is one particular Spark song that I really do not like, and unfortunately, this song sounds just like it to me. So I did not <laughs> like this song. This, this song, I mean, it sounds very Sparks, but to me it sounds like, um, what is it? E Edith Piloff said it better, which is the one Spark song that I just cannot get into every time i hear it i'm just like yeah get to the end come on <laughs> do do some be better um the first time i listened to this i thought i did like it because it started out very operatic and then suddenly it seemed to turn into tarzan boy and got into this very bizarre kind of mix of smooth jazz and vaporwave and i was like wow this is like a really interesting medley and then i realized i had a second tab open that had just started playing like random youtube videos so and yet it, still, it just, still sounded like the sparks yeah but then when i just listened to the actual song i was like oh yeah no no this isn't it. Oh, 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 no. oh the deepest cut oh man <laughs> Maybe maybe if they uh, maybe if they recorded it in Spanish. Yeah, there you go. Actually. So Rob, um, yeah. let's talk about a an email that we got from a listener named um, Doug. Wait, what? Uh, Doug F. Doug. Mm -hmm. So um, have have you 
Have you read this email? I'll, I, I haven't. Just, okay, yeah. here, here we go. I'm just going to read it to you. Um, okay. A lot of important existential questions for our of our time um no not really but um (laughs) some some important questions that i'm sure other listeners have about uh the podcast that i thought this is kind of the perfect opportunity to address so he said uh discover your podcast and have been burning through the episodes to catch up and be able to vote for the best of 1978. Thanks for taking a break and allowing me to catch up. Really love the idea format of going through the albums month by month. One question concern discussion point. Will you be covering the, the albums of Lou Reed? Oh, I love that. Oh, okay. Yeah. He did, he did not have a new release in 1977, but I don't think I have heard the 1978 Street Hassle mentioned yet. Yes, it isn't that good, but there are some good 80s releases ahead. Having their first vinyls, vinyl releases in the late 60s, you cover Bowie, a Lou Reed, Iggy Pop wannabe, Iggy, and even Peter <laughs> Gabriel, so why not cover Lou? So not covering Lou would be rather odd. Also wondering, what are your reasons for excluding Kraftwerk? Also, I know it means absolutely nothing now, but here is my 1977 top five. So his number one is Elvis Costello, My Aim is True. Number two is the debut um, release from The Clash. Number three is Sex Pistols, Never Mind the Bullocks. Number four, uh, Ramon's Rocket to Russia. And number five, The Stranglers, Rattus Navigicus. Uh, hey, 19... good job on that. On that ah, thanks. I've, I've been yeah. practicing. Uh, okay. <laughs> 19, 1978 will not be so easy. Well, no kidding. Yeah. Um, so, a lot to unpack. I think off, off podcast, you and I have already been talking about some of this stuff. Pretty much all of it. Yeah. <laughs> so, so I think it's like right on point. I mean, yeah. very. I, I don't think there's a single point that he's brought up here that you and I haven't discussed many times. Right. So we'll just kind of go through this point by point. Um, first of all, I can't remember if we mentioned this before um, in an episode, and if we didn't, I think it's important to acknowledge. Um, thank you, Doug, for uh, your kind words about the format. Oh, we we swiped this format from um, another podcast, and mm-hmm. so I want to to shout out to a short-lived but favorite podcast of mine called the. 80s all over again with Drew McWeeny and Scott Weinberg. So what they did was um, every month they released an episode. And in that episode, they discussed every movie that was released a certain um, month during the 80s. So they started January 1980. And they discussed every movie that was released. And I loved it. And unfortunately, they didn't get all the way through the 80s. And um, they quit 
the pod the the podcast they ended the podcast i think around 1984 1985 and now that we've been doing this podcast for for a couple of seasons i know why <laughs> because it is a tremendous amount of work but yeah. The, you know, doing it with movies is even way more difficult because it's it's a lot more time consuming and you can't really just have it have the movies playing in the background at work, yeah. right? Like we do with a lot of this yeah. music. So um, we owe a lot to that podcast. I don't I don't know if it's still available for download. Um, if it is, you should definitely go and download it while it's still around. Um, it's called The 80s All Over. And particularly if you were a kid in the in the 80s, um, it is just just an absolute blast to 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 go through all of that stuff um, again. So so a uh, long overdue shout out to part of the inspiration for this podcast. Okay, let's talk about Lou Reed. Um, so I am I I I have been art pretty articulate about my disinterest in Lou Reed. However, um, I don't think that the decisions that w that we've made about including or not including have been influenced by that. Um, so we have yeah. from yeah, from. I, I certainly don't care. <laughs> What's that? I, I certainly don't care. No, I, I'm kidding about that. But you're right; it hasn't been all that. Yeah, I mean, we we, we so so we have had this discussion a couple of times. Um, so from the very start, we have always planned on having a bonus episode about the Velvet Underground because, of yeah. course, the Velvet Underground. By the time 1976 came around, the Velvet Underground had um, disbanded, had been disbanded for a yeah. while. And um, Velvet Underground, highly influential on the punk and new wave um, movement for sure, no doubt about it. From day one, we were going to have a bonus episode on the Velvet Underground. I have never heard, actually, this was the first time that I even thought of Lou Reed as a solo artist, as uh, an artist who created anything that was even remotely punk or new wave. But I'm not entirely familiar with his catalog. Mm. Um, okay. So, Rob, you are. Is a, did did he release a new wave album or a punk album? Uh, I, I you know it's so he, here's the thing is I love every single Lou Reed album. And he gets weird. I mean, he really gets weird. He did an entire um, he did an entire album that was uh, Edgar Allan Poe, you know, and he brought in some of his favorite people to play the parts. He's he's really cool and really he's out there. But it's hard for me to call them punk or new wave any of them. Yeah. Um, and and I'll agree with. I mean, I I love I love Lou Reed, and I definitely agree with Doug that that some of the the 80s releases are really good. Uh, Magic and Loss was one of my, and I think that came out in the 90s, but Magic and Loss was one of my favorite albums ever. So mm -hmm. it's it's good stuff. Post-punk maybe, uh, you know, it's it's hard because genres are all over the place. 
Yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah. I mean, I just I have never I've certainly seen many many references to punk and new wave artists being influenced by the Velvet Underground, but never seen any refer seen oh. anyone reference. Uh, Lou Reed's solo stuff as far as being influential. And um, I, I, I seriously think that, that Lou Reed perhaps influenced Bowie, perhaps influenced Iggy, who influenced Lou Reed, who influenced, you know, yeah, those yeah, three yeah. guys. Yeah, yeah. Those three guys definitely shared a, a vibe. Yeah. And, yeah. And so, so that's, yeah. Yeah. So, so to address his argument that we have covered, um, Albums by uh, Peter Gabriel, David Bowie, and well, I, I I don't think that Iggy Pop is really a very good argument because Iggy Pop is was always punk. But um, you know, we th there are a number of albums that we have covered at this point, like Kate Bush's Lionheart or uh -huh. or um, the Sparks stuff. You know, up to this point. Um, not really punk or new wave or the but, runaways for that matter <laughs> but they are going to down the road they are going to do some some like very yeah. serious legit like david bowie let's dance was kind of a milestone in the the new wave pop um you know evolution of the genre that so true, yeah. so all of those artists will be doing some sort of cornerstone releases that are um new well pretty much new wave classics and i just i can't think of an instance where where um lou reed where that's true with with lou reed and his his solo stuff now there, I know that there are a lot of Lou Reed fans out there, and if we get enough people um, reach, uh, you know, reaching out to us, and there's a consensus about like one album that really is new wave-ish, I would be totally fine with with um, including that in the rundown we when we get to it. But I just. I I think that we we set up our guidelines about what we did do and do not include and um following those guidelines Lou Reed doesn't make the cut because he's he's really not going to as far as I know not going to release anything that is a new wave classic right whereas David Bowie and um, Peter Gabriel and all the rest will. So, so that is the reasoning. Um, pretty subjective, but that's that's kind of where we yeah. landed. Yeah. Now, uh, the craft work question, that's not so clear cut for me. <laughs> I think of all of the bands that are relevant to talk about in this podcast. Craftwork is the one that I'm the most intimidated by. Um, ah, okay. Now, and what I mean by that is that I I know they're hugely influential. I don't know that much about them. Every time I've tried to get into them, I they, it's just what I've heard has left me cold. And you know, uh, they're they're referenced a lot as an influence, but like right. like David Bowie. 
during his Berlin um, period um, was heavily influenced by craft work, but the elements in those three in the Berlin trilogy that are that you can you can link directly back to to craft work those those are the that's the the stuff that I like the least so um so I was I was struggling with that when we were kind of laying out what to include and what not to include but then I went oh wait a minute right. they're a german band they're it's not english language so I just excluded them total mistake on my part because I did not realize that um in the late 70s they switched to english so um i think from here on out we need to include craft work now we have always intended to do a bonus episode yeah. Yeah. about craft work list. that that was that was like one of the first things that we've talked about now the funny thing about that is um here in the united states not not a lot of people that i've met are particularly knowledgeable about craft work and so every person that we have had a conversation with about um, joining us as a guest we have asked them what about craft work are you familiar with craft work and some of them aren't aren't and some of them are but the ones that are when we ask them if they want to come on and and you know, host a show about craft work. They go, oh hell no. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I don't think I'm the only one who's like it. Just it seems so. Eventually, we will find the right person to do a bonus episode uh, on craft work. And yeah. um, guess what is going to show up, pop up in the December '78 episode. Nice. Some a craft work album. Yeah. And from here on out, we'll include craft work. So, so Doug, your email was sort of like I'd been struggling with that for a long time, and that kind of pushed me over the edge. Yeah, thanks, Doug. You knocked it out of the park, man. Yeah, yeah. Um, and one last comment about Doug. He, he sent a, a follow-up email uh, later on. Um, with a bunch of suggestions, so he went, he went to our uh, Facebook post that we did like over a year ago that listed all of the bands that we were going to uh -huh. cover, and he came up with a pretty sizable list of stuff that we missed, and nice. so I really appreciate him sending that in. And if anyone is interested, they could go back. Off the top of my head, I, I don't know when it was posted, but if you go back far enough in our Facebook. Um, history, you you can find the post where we list everything. Um, if there's a particular favorite um, that is not included there, let us know. Um, it's at this point, it's probably been suggested by somebody else. But um, he gave us a nice long list. Some of them will include. Some of them we won't for one reason or another. But um, uh, we always always appreciate the input. And that's exactly why we put that post up, um, yeah. you know, to engage people and get them to tell us, you know, what did we miss? So, again, thanks, Doug. Appreciate it. Okay. Um, just a couple of last-minute 
points of business uh, before we wrap up here. Um, I wanted to draw everybody's attention to a brand new podcast that I just stumbled across. They only have one episode out at this point. Um, It's an episode called Don't You Forget About Me, the New Wave Podcast. And when I first saw it, I went, "Uh uh-oh. But then I listened to it, and it's like a whole different thing from what we're doing. So what they do is they talk about recent releases um, from old new wave favorites so they're yeah so their first episode is on omd and i i think that there are a couple of music journalists to a certain capacity or another so they actually have an interview with um the members of omd and then they talk about their two most recent releases um, so it is something that I've subscribed to right now. They only have one episode. I'm really looking forward to, um, seeing what they do. Wouldn't be terribly surprised if the stranglers come up, um, pretty soon. Uh, so this is a, for just about anyone who likes this podcast because they like this kind of music, it, it seems like it's definitely worth checking out. Nice. Yeah. Hey, everybody, go to Apple Podcasts and write a review. Okay. Yeah. Do it. <laughs> Mike, it's tell easy. everybody to go to Apple Podcasts and write a review. Go, Everybody, go to Apple Podcasts and write a review and also tell Apple Podcasts to stop putting that playback error in all their podcasts. Wait, what's this? <laughs> I was trying to when I was trying to listen to some of your episodes earlier. I just kept saying playback error. I get halfway through and there'd be playback error. But, really? Yeah, but I know it's not your podcast because I also tried to listen to another podcast where they apparently are talking about Kevin Smith movies. Hey, so Mike, thanks for uh, you're still there. I'm glad yes. glad to hear that. Um, we kind of uh, forgot about you there for a while. <laughs> so. Um, Thanks for joining us. That was a lot of fun. You brought in some like freaky new mic energy <laughs> to the to the whole affair. Yeah, we, we appreciate that K- keeping us on our toes. Um, Want to give you a chance to toot your own horn a little bit here. Talk about anything that you want to uh, promote, like your podcast, your very quirky, delightful podcast. Sure. So. Um... I, uh, as we mentioned earlier, I've got my own podcast, which is a special presentation, or ALF will not be seen tonight, which is generally about uh, comic strips getting turned into uh, other media. I co-host that with my good friend Ethan, a.k.a. The Hungry Reader. Uh, we usually are talking about comic strips, but we are uh, that we have a very loose definition of that. Uh, so we're actually talking about the... Uh, the Phantom Tollbooth movie right now because it was illustrated by Jules Pfeiffer, who was a New Zealand cartoonist. It's, it's, it, it counts. Uh, it counts. Okay. That's our claim. Um, other than that, uh, you can also find me on Twitter at uh, midnight underscore pals, where we do um, comedic microfiction about uh, all your favorite horror writers gathering together to tell stories around the campfire, just like in the classic Nickelodeon show, Are You Afraid of the Dark? So that's uh, a fun thing to also check out. Nice. Uh, that's it for me, I think. You don't, you don't want to talk about your, your graphic novels? Oh, um, those. Yeah, I have those, too. I have. Oh, cool. I also have graphic novels. It's been such a long time. Um, 
Yeah, check check out uh, Bitter Crowl on Itch.io, and you can get my graphic novels, which include uh, a comic book adaptation of the witch hunting manual Malleus Maleficarum. So well. many penises, so <laughs> many penises. There's a lot of them. I'm just saying, if you like, if you like, just like disembodied dicks, you're, you're gonna. Let me tell you. Let me tell you. Um, historically accurate disembodied dicks. Lots of them. Um, well, I don't know if and, I should be embarrassed to say this, but I'm looking forward to seeing it. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it's it's good stuff, and I have no vested interest in saying that. Oh, so nice. uh, to yeah. be clear, since we cut sort of open that Pandora's box, um, this is a you took actual writings from like from contemporary, well, not contemporary times, but you took writings from the what? When, when was this stuff written? So like in the, it was about in the uh, uh, 1500s. So yeah. they are from actual like, um, you know, sources, medieval sources about witch hunting and right. uh, that uh, stories of people who have been bewitched, many of which for some reason involve around witches stealing penises. Um, <laughs> it was a thing. It was a thing. So um, so there's a lot of that in there. Uh, so it's uh, it's definitely that one is probably a little for the, uh, you know, the adults in the room. You know, I, I've got a copy of the Malia. It's a mouthful. Um, I have a copy of that book. And I knew I should have waited for the graphic novel. Um, <laughs> it's yeah, the graphic novel's better because there's more pictures. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> more penises. Well, yeah. I mean, come on. If you're gonna if you're gonna read something with a bunch of dicks in it, you might, you want to see the dicks. I mean, I, I, I will sense. say this: of my lifetime of seeing illustrated penises, more than half of them come from reading your. Uh, <laughs> Your graphic novel. Well, thank you. You wouldn't believe how many complaints I get about those dicks. People keep saying that I draw dicks weird, and it's like, what do you mean? That's what a dick looks like. <laughs> like, that's what a normal dick looks like. I I mean, I would know. And then they're like, no, it doesn't. I'm like, oh. Oh, no. Okay, well, maybe, maybe, you should may, someone, maybe we yeah. should close that Pandora's box now. <laughs> Anyway, yes. So, so check it out. It's on the internet. Yeah. So, um, I think it's time for us to say our goodbyes. Um, yeah. now we, because we hadn't released a bonus track in a while, we did not give a little, um, cheat sheet to anyone who wants to work ahead as far as the albums that we're going to cover, in, um, for that we covered for November, nice. but we are going to do that for the December episode. So if you're interested um, uh, in which albums we're going to cover um, next month, then sit through the fade out music and Rob and I will pop back up and uh, quickly read the albums that we'll, we'll be recovering. Uh, we will be covering for um, December of 1978. And uh, sometimes we like to go out on a little teaser, a little, can you identify this band? So here is a, um, a song that is on an album we're going to talk about for December of 1978. 
I don't think it was actually released in December. It was released at some point, but um, not quite. I don't think it's quite as obscure as some of the other ones we've covered. But if you live here in the United States, you probably won't recognize it. If you live in Europe, I think it made a tiny little splash when it came out. Um, any last words, Rob? My, some of my last words are, I want to thank Mike again for showing up and doing this with us. It was a lot of fun. I think maybe we need to call him up and uh, have him ju just sit in for the Susie and the Banshees deep dive. Um, and so, uh, so that he can learn how to say the name. Probably. Yeah, yeah. I think I think we'll have him sit in for that. And then maybe even call him up when we decide to do deep dives and deep cuts the graphic novel. <laughs> um, not until he learns how to draw penises properly because that's well, what deep dives and deep cuts are all about <laughs> Mike you are definitely going to be our first call when we're ready to do a deep dive on Wall of Voodoo and Stan Ridgeway for sure um, well, so a... yeah so then you can talk about you know some music that you actually know <laughs> <laughs> well always always happy to always happy to come back it was uh, it was uh, it was a real blast and um you know thanks for having me okay everybody uh we will talk to you next week when we talk about the jam i promise it'll happen yeah, it'll happen <laughs> see ya she was in love with a dj but she Disco movie romance She had lips like a lolly But she couldn't sing It was a crazy production Boring In Holland they got fantasy They're trying to do the same movie You know Rock and roll Something out today It's These are the albums we'll be covering in the December 78 Rundown episode. Crass, The Feeding of the 5000. Public Image Limited, Public Image, First Issue. Throbbing Gristle, DOA, The Third and Final Report of Throbbing Gristle. The Dickies, The Incredible Shrinking Dickies. Flash in the Pan, album Flash in the Pan. Radio Birdman, Radios Appear. John Cooper Clark, Disguise in Love, Grupo Sportivo, Back to 78, Tough Darts, Tough Darts, The Dictators, Blood Brothers, and Kraftwerk, The Man Machine. Stay